1972, a crack commando unit was sent to a liturgical prison by a canonical court for a crime they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from a maximum security diocesan stockade to the ecclesial underground. Today, still wanted by the Vatican, they survive as soldiers of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, then you should listen to Libra Cristo War College. Wednesday War College. I love those bumpers. Thanks to the the guys from St. Yeah. Michael's Shield. God bless you guys. By the way, today is the Feast of St. Matthew. St. Matthew, the tax collector turned evangelist, pray for us. Hey, Dan, welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. Great to be back. Great to be here on Wednesdays. This is a lot to uh, talk about. A lot to, lot talk, to talk about. about. We got a lot to talk about. So it's it's a highlight of the week. Yes. Uh, TikTok. We're going to be talking about the way TikTok has become the home of modern witchcraft. Yep. You're saying, what? Are you kidding me? Nope, not kidding you. TikTok's algorithms make it a safe haven for those with an interest in the occult, and they're drawing more and more people into the practice. We're also going to talk about a lot of Joe Biden's picks. President Biden's picks seem to be people that have not just sexual disorders, but sexual fetishes with kind of a diabolical overlay, and I'll talk about some of those people as well. But before we get started, Dan, I want you to set the stage with giving us essentially the most important topic is family spiritual warfare. And I know your specialty is bringing in the Roman legions, looking at their formations, and seeing how it applies today as the Catholic Church. Yeah, yeah. So we use this militaristic language, which has been part of the language of the church, even before the early church fathers used this language, going all the way back to the Old Testament. God is my shield, uh, um, you know, um, David and Goliath, etc. Um, so the catechism says this, and you quote this all the time yourself. The whole of man's history has been the story of dour combat with the powers of evil, stretching so far, our Lord tells us, from the very dawn of history to the last day. Finding himself in the midst of the battlefield, man has to struggle to do what is right, and it is at a great cost to himself and aided by God's grace that he succeeds in achieving his own inner integrity. So this spiritual battle is an interior battle, but it's against real forces. As St. Paul says, forces of darkness, right? The spirits and, and, and powers of the, of the air, of the heavens, These right? And, and they're demons. They're demons. Uh, and, and it's, it's very clear. Scripture is very clear of this. Um that dour combat now is taking place in the family. This is two quotes that I wanted to go into to kind of set the stage. One is Sister Lucia, Venerable Sister Lucia de Jesus Rosa, the Sister Lucia de Jesus Rosa dos Santos, Sister Lucia Fatima. She says that the final battle between the Lord and the reign of Satan will be about marriage in the family. This she calls a decisive issue in the struggle against evil. So in military language, this is a decisive battle. This is a battle that this is like Lepanto. Um, this is Iwo Jima. This is decisive battles that change the outcome of the war. God, Father John Harden, who has been called a one-man army, uh, uh, a one-man ecclesial army, against uh, uh, because of what he did and putting together all the research and and you know the cat, modern Catholic dictionary, etc. This guy was a giant. He says, where the Christian family, the Catholic Christian family, is strong, the Catholic Church 
is strong. He says, the family in a super developed countries like the United States is on trial for its existence. Remember that he wrote this over 25 years ago. He said, this is not my personal opinion, but a measured judgment of the vicars of Christ. One modern pope after another keeps warning the faithful about the deadly struggle going on in the world today. Christ, the light of the world, and Satan, the prince of darkness. And the main focus of this struggle is the family. Interesting. So we, 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 have, we have two giants of our age saying that the focus is going to be on the family. And they're quoting several popes or, the, you know, the, 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 how the popes are saying the same thing. And here's what he says that's very interesting. Catholic families cannot survive by being ordinary. They have no choice. They must go beyond the ordinary, being an ordinary Catholic, an ordinary Catholic family. Go to Mass, go to confession once in a while if it's important to you. If, 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 you, if it's convenient, make it to Mass, make the sign of the cross, you know, maybe say grace before Thanksgiving or something. Just being an average Catholic. Those days are over, he says. They must either be holy, which means sanctified, or they will disappear. The, one, the only Catholic families that will remain alive and thriving by the year 2000, this is 20, almost 25 years ago, are families of martyrs, father, mother, and children willing to die for their God-given convictions. What the world most needs today is families of martyrs who will reproduce themselves in, the spirit, in spirit in spite of diabolical hatred against family life uh, by the enemies of Christ and the enemies of his church in our day, which is pretty significant. So using military language, he, he's saying that the battle is for the family, but as the family goes, so goes the these little this domestic church is where the battle, where the church is going to come and go. This echoes what Father, I mean, uh, St. John Henry Newman said, um, that, that, that in times of crisis, it's the lady that's going to save the church. And we're at that point, point of time of crisis in the church and culture. And so uh, the image that comes to mind, again, as a, as a, as a fledgling amateur historian, okay, um, the, Roman, the Roman legions would fight in this, in this grandiose scheme called the Aciaz, three place Aciaz, three rows, right, very ordered and organized. And it was like a heavy infantry buzzsaw that just would wipe through armies of superior force armies very easily. And that's kind of where the church was in the Middle Ages. And then after Trent regrouping that, and the church was back on its feet, evangelical. But then it seems like we went from this battlefield to, to we had to slow down and become a little more protective, a little more defensive in the modern church. And they have what's called the testudo, which is uh, the Spanish tortugas, right, for turtle or tortoise. This is the formation that, that when you see the shields overlapping each other, moving very slowly, moving forward, but moving very slowly, one shield over another. This is where the church has been for the longest time. And many of us now are finding the church in the modern area in the Orbis formation. The Orbis formation was this Orbis is where we get the word circle, right? So so orbital, etc. So a circular formation. This is after the ranks have been broken. This is after the battle has turned into just mono a mono, hand-to-hand combat. The battle line is broken down. Very rare for the Romans, but it happened. And so when it, when, it, when a unit would be separated off, the stragglers would come together, the senior ranking centurion would command Orbis, they would go to the high ground, a defensible position, and with the command of Orbis, the, 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 the legionaries knew this was a battle to the of the circle, they would put the, the wounded, any, any high ranking officers, uh, uh, any cachet they have that they might want to preserve, 
ammunition, etc. And they would form a circle and they would go shoulder to shoulder and they would fight to the death to defend with the high ground. And, and in a sense, our families are at that point. But we shouldn't be surprised, going back to what the catechism says, man's fight has man's existence has been one of dour combat from the beginning. This is the language of the church. Paul uses when he's describing Ephesians 6. This is the language uh, of, you know, the Old Testament, David and Goliath, which the early church picked up as, as symbols of Christ's victory over the devil and our own battle with the evil one. But like David and Goliath, you, go ahead. Yeah, Dan, let me just make one point. Uh, this is good stuff that you're sharing. Just want to remind, uh, just, just remind ourselves that the war has already been won these are battles that we're fighting. We win some, we lose some, we win some, we lose some. But the war, the ultimate war has already been won on Calvary. And the proof of that is anytime you see a crucifix, the crucifix is a war memorial. That's the spot where we beat our enemy. And so let's, let's, let's keep, let's not lose sight of that because sometimes when we see, oh man, we lost this. You know, the Supreme Court decision. Oh, no, this bishop said this. Yeah, we lose little battles exactly. here and there, but the overall war has already been won. Go ahead, Dan. Yeah, exactly. So the war has been won, but we still have to continue that. You know, we still we, we still have to continue to bring about the reign of Christ. We still have specifically according to our vocations as husbands and fathers, wives and mothers. It's in the home. It's, it's the battle will still take place in the home. Now, as you say, in the early church, uh, a couple of things. The, 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 the cross, we didn't, we didn't study, we didn't celebrate a, a week ago the, 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 the sadness of the cross. We didn't, we didn't celebrate the, what a shame, uh, look, how, look how bad we are that Jesus had to die on the cross. It was the triumph of the cross. And the, 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 battle, the battlefield was the, what you mentioned, the tropion. We sing, we, we sing this on Good Friday. This was the turning. Tro, tropao is a Greek word for turn. So where we get the word for trophy, right? So this was the spot on the battlefield where the enemy turns, and that's when the ranks broke. And then, and then the victor would go, and the slaughter began, and that's when they won. And they would mark that spot with with special uh, the the accoutrements of the enemy's uniform their sword their their shields their armaments etc and this was the point where the victory was brought about that that was a very sacred space on this battlefield very sacred spot another thing that saint ambrose mentions um on the feast of saint helena when they when they recounting on how she found the 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 the, the relics of the sacred cross or the holy cross the original cross it's a fascinating story and tradition he says that not only is this the battle victory, that he says that Jesus put the devil, what in Latin, mitere subyugum. He sent him beneath the yoke, which was what they would do was they would take three spears, right? And they would make like, uh, um, they would, they would do two upright and one crossbar and they would strip the surviving soldiers down to their chonies, right? Down to their underwear. And they would, and then the, the victor, the general who won, would sit enthroned above, sitting hot, top. They would walk, have, would have to do the, the, they would have to walk down to their underwear and they would bend beneath the yoke in submission, a fate worse than death. For an ancient wow. soldier submitting we'll back, this is what Christ did. Okay. Hard break, hard break. We'll be right back. Stick around.
Wednesday War College. One of the ways that the devil's coming after the family, without a doubt, is through social media. Specifically, there's a very, very famous social media amongst young people. I don't use it because I'm an old man. But uh, yeah, my my, uh, young adults tell me about this. uh, It's called TikTok. And TikTok has become a home of modern witchcraft. The, the TikTok's algorithms make it a safe haven for those with an interest in the occult, and they're drawing more and more people into the practice. Witchcraft is on the rise around the country, and in this age of uncertainty, uh, younger generations, they seem to be taking this renewed interest in astrology, horoscopes, and the occult. In the past five years... There's been a marked increase for those searching on Google for crystal healing, and the subculture of people who identify as witches is on the rise. This uh, one practicing witch, founder of an occult beauty brand, her name is Chelsea Selby. She says, you can worship one god, many gods, or no gods. Uh, this, this witch, Chelsea Selby, she partakes in spell work and rituals and claims to develop intuition through meditation divination, and the observation of moon cycles and pagan festivals. Chelsea Selby says the appeal of being a witch comes from the inclusivity, accessibility, and openness to interpretation. She says it's a, it's a completely customizable practice. Whatever your spirituality, it helps deepen that connection and make it stronger. If you don't think witchcraft is mainstream, let's not remember that it's also become embedded in popular culture. Do you recall Donald Trump's election in 2016? I do. It sparked a knee-jerk reaction around the country from thousands of witches, including musician Lana Del Rey, who attempted, they were doing these liturgical monthly mass hexings on the U.S. president. Uh, There's also a rise in the pagan population, as we saw in the University of Edinburgh, They appointed its first pagan honorary chaplain back in 2018. And Netflix's reboot of the the movie The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, again, the teenage witch, this is about to embark on its third season. Today's witches are increasingly congregating on TikTok, the rapidly growing social media platform that was 2019's first most downloadable non-gaming app. And at the time of, of, of writing this article, TikTok also has a hashtag, which hashtag. It's received over 585 million views. They also have another one, hashtag baby witch. For those just getting into, into witchcraft, it has 45 million views. And the more spe- platform specific, hashtag witch talk and hashtag witch Soft TikTok have over 6 million and 84 million views, respectively. If you take a trip into any one of these hashtags and you'll encounter a thriving community that live streams tarot readings and spell tutorials and posts engaging educational videos on crystals, candles, plants, and their take on the study of magic with a K. That's the way witches used to spell magic with a K at the end. That's to separate it from magic with a C at the end, that's pulling a rabbit out of a hat. But TikTok, it isn't the first place that modern-day witches have congregated online, but the way the platform's constructed, 
has made it an ideal digital home for those interested in the occult. As a platform, TikTok's content revolves around 15-second videos that are narrated or paired with music and can be duetted by other users so their videos sit side-by-side with the original. The Witch, Chelsea Selby, has 283,000 TikTok followers. This makes the app feel more laid back and accessible than Instagram. On TikTok, it's quick tips and things that anyone can do. It also humanizes witches. There's a lot of negative stigma surrounding witchcraft and witches. But with TikTok, uh, Chelsea Selby, the witch, says, I can show the more personal side of myself like being a mother. There's one more, then I'll pass it on to Dan. Juliet Diaz. She's the author of Witchery, Embrace the Witch Within. She says TikTok's appeal comes from the positivity of the community compared to other platforms. This witch, Juliet Diaz, says, I use TikTok as a very positive feed to spread love and spirituality in a way that connects with everyone rather than a select few, says Diaz, who has close to 88,000 TikTok followers. The community is very open to other people's beliefs, and so far, I've had a very positive experience. So a a big part of TikTok's algorithmic advantage comes from the For You page, or hashtag FYP. It's the first feed you see when you open the app, and comprises of a collection of recommended videos personalized to you. But rather than getting trapped in an echo chamber, as you might with other platforms, TikTok's For You page works to introduce you to content creators that embrace new ways of thinking. The For You page is a very important feature because it doesn't make us live in a bubble, Chelsea Selby, the witch, says. Even though I'm a witch, I'm not only showing on, showing on other witches' feeds like you would on Instagram. It helps you reach people you normally wouldn't. It's nice to be on a platform that supports creators and doesn't just look at us like advertising opportunities. TikTok's popularity is only set to rise higher throughout 2020, and there's no denying the platform and its algorithm will undergo change in that time. Whatever direction it takes, however, Juliet Diaz, the witch, hopes it will keep its community feeling in mind. TikTok is ahead of the game, she says. The reason professional witches are so successful is because we're very genuine about what we do, and platforms like TikTok don't make it seem like we're trying to make a profit but that we're doing this because we love it. Dan, Houston, we've got problems, Dan. we got problems. Yeah, 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 yeah. At least they're open and inclusive. I wonder if they'd be open if we, we decided to start praying the rosary and invoking St. Walberga's intercession, St. Padre Pio. Um, you see this new way of thinking. It's, it's uh, what, remember the song by the who? Meet the new boss, same as the old boss, right? We fight an ancient enemy, and the ancient weapons are the best. I remember back, I think it was in the year 2000, right around there, St. Saint, Saint pa- Saint John Paul II declared it the year of the priest. And it was St. Saint G- John Vianney was the, um, the, the patron saint of Paris priest. And I remember reading a quote from St. John Vianney that I thought at the time was extremely harsh. And a, and, and a little maybe, I didn't know what I thought, but I thought that's a little, that's a little harsh. And here's what he said. If you take away the Catholic priests from the village in 20 years, they will be worshiping the beasts. And now we're seeing that we're removing the Catholic priest from our, our you know, we're, we're downsizing in the church. We're, we're, we're closing down parishes. 
Um, and, and with that, again, to be to be post-Christian is to be neo-pagan. And so we're living in a either post-Christian or now almost pre-Christian. I was just did a I just did a 10 days in Germany training uh, and teaching over there. And uh, I met some fantastic, fantastic uh, uh, remnant faithful over there. And some of them, the guys I'm working closely with are Eastern German priests. And um, what they said was when the when the Soviets came in and put the wall up in Eastern Germany, they they uh, the first thing they did was they hunted down the Catholic priest and they murdered them all. The effect to this day, now they've reopened the wall, the effect to this day is that uh, um, in those, those dioceses in Germany that were formerly Eastern Bloc, you're, only 3% of the population are Catholic, which, and, and that means that's it, 97%. Over there, there is no evangelical churches. There's none of that. They're either Catholic or Lutheran. That's it for the most part. So 3% are baptized in those areas of Eastern Germany. And so we, we see this very quickly, what the enemy does, why he uses the socio-political, you know, and, 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 and then behind the realm, this uh, neo-feminism is coming all this witchcraft and these other things. And the article, again, this is not, this is an article that's promoting it. This is from Wired Magazine you're reading from. This is a secular magazine. And they're like, this is a cool thing. But how many of our, of our listeners and how many of our Catholic parents are letting their kids let, have a TikTok account? And you think, oh, well, they're only just chatting with their friends. The temptations there are tremendous. There's not just that. There's all sorts of predators uh, uh, and, and other, uh, other uh, bad characters that are out there trying to lure us away through that. That's right. So we're, we're at that point. We're worshiping the beast. And what do, what do the pagans do, right? What is paganism? You're, you're talking about these are self proscribed, uh, self-described pagans, and they're practicing pagan idolatry, right? Psalm 96.5, the gods of the Gentiles are demons. This is what they're doing. They're practicing these pagan activities, and it opens you up. It opens, it, when you start to look at these things, you get permissions back and forth. You're giving permissions to the diabolic. Hey, I have a right to be here. Your kid, under your watch, gave me permission to be here by looking at my stuff on the internet and looking at my witch's stuff. Here's going back another quote from Father Hardin. Before God, parents have received a sacred trust. No one has a higher trust than they. No one has a higher responsibility than they. But I must add, no one can take either the trust or the responsibility away. It belongs to the parents because it is given to them by God. The children they call theirs are first of all his. They come from him and they are destined for him. So we have been given a grave trust, a very sacred trust in our children. And so we have to, we have to, parents that are listening need to realize that this is not, it's not like it used to be. You drop your kids off at Catholic school, they'll become Catholic and marry and Catholic and go to church every week. You know, that's what he's talking about in the ordinary, being an ordinary Catholic. Or you give your kids a cell phone and you think, oh, they'll be protected. I'll put a little filter on there or whatever. If you even do that, they're going to be protected because they're good kids. The demon is, a, is what is what do they say? He is like a prowling lion looking for whom he will devour. So he's going to be constantly on the prowl for us, us ourselves and, and our children. So we have to be constantly at the ready. That's right. Dan, I think a simple definition. So somebody just texted me and said, Jess, Dan, what, what is witchcraft? I think a simple definition, I would say that witchcraft would be a series of rituals, spells, and actions that attempt, whether they realize it or not, to contact the demonic realm to try to get evil spirits to cooperate with them with whatever they want them to do.
It's spiritual. It's spiritual prostitution. It's somebody who wants to become spiritual. Witchcraft attracts people mm-hmm. who want to be spiritual, and and uh, and and they want to lead others without submitting to God. I would call witchcraft spiritual prostitution. You want to be spiritual, but on your own terms. You want to be spiritual, but without outside of God, the Trinity. And also in the Old Testament, witchcraft is known as rebellion against God, because witchcraft, it's uh, it, the rebellion against God. It's also coupled with a desire to be a spiritual leader and a spiritual warrior outside of God's plan. And again, witchcraft doesn't draw its power from God, the Trinity. It draws its power from evil spirits. Again, as the psalmist says, the gods of the Gentiles are demons. We'll continue talking about the dangers of witchcraft, and we'll move on to uh, Biden's new pick for monkeypox deputy. Stick around. Witchcraft is sneaking, uh, is sneaking their or, or sticking their big nose in the tent through TikTok, and we're talking about here's the dangers a, of this. Here's a definition. This is yeah. Father Rebecca's definition. Okay, witchcraft is a form of black magic practice seeking the help. A form of black magic practice seeking the help of the devil and evil spirits includes casting spells, sorcery, enchantment, etc. And and as Father Father Gabriel Morth, uh, who really was a a pioneer in the modern period of, of, of exorcism, um, Father Amorth said that there is no such thing as white or black magic just because the end is a seemingly good thing, uh, getting pregnant, uh, uh, finding love, uh, healing. All witchcraft is recourses uh, is a recourse to the devil, and all witchcraft uh, is an open door, right? This open door places... Uh, uh, um, um, it, it opens and disposes you to diabolic affliction. I had sent you a uh, um, that tweet. Uh, do you have that right in front of you? It was a secular lady on 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 Facebook. Um, she was a, a hair some hair specialist, but uh, here's what she said. Again, this is just an average mom, average person. Um, this is not some radical, you know seemingly radicals, this is how they're going to do is discount you as just a radical if you're using this type of language, okay? But here's what she says. Please talk to your children about not engaging in demonic activities on TikTok or anywhere else. I recently spoke to a few psychiatric nurses, and they told me how a lot of children and teens are being admitted because they're they're learning spells and doing things online to open up their third eye. Now that these doors have been opened, the demons are tormenting these babies. They're now seeing dark images, having suicidal thoughts, and literally going crazy. I know witchcraft is trendy right now, but it's nothing to play with. When you open that door, you're giving demons the right to whatever they want. Beware, no matter how innocent it looks, crystals, chants, bowls, spells, manifesting, horoscopes, sage, etc. Nothing good will ever come from it. There will always be a price to pay. Y'all stay safe, prayed up, and covered. So... You know, I'm, it's, great, it's great these are secular people. What's great that? Advice, great advice. Yeah, I mean that's great advice from from a non-Catholic 
probably wow. non-Catholic, sent advice to just a, to a Christian woman of, of some stripe that that sees this. A mom of, of seeing seeing what some of the other kids in her, in her circle, children's circle, are being entrapped into. So it, it, it's cute, it's funny, but that's how it works. They entice you in at the lower levels and st- starts getting darker and darker as you want to level up because the, the demon is never satisfied to keep it at the lower level. He's always going to drive you through a thirst for power, a thirst for control, to manipulate others. Ultimately, it's the manipulation and the power that drives people to do this and the thirst for the other. They might begin with a curiosity, a thirst for the supernatural, but that that's because God created in us a desire for holiness, a desire for him. St. Augustine says that I roamed the earth searching for thee in all these fair forms, right? He describes all the things that he did and tried to find truth and meaning. He said, but my heart was restless and it rests only in thee. So, so the demon will constantly out other things to tempt us away from God. And, but at, a, at, a, at an early age, when vocations are heard, at an early age when the relationship with God that started in baptism, that relationships begin to foster and they now move towards confirmation and now become, according to the church language, a soldier for Christ. This is the age that they're most open to the other, most open to God. And this is the age now that they're being enticed away. Used to be with simple things. Now they're being enticed away with straight up evil. Some of them, you know, like we're seeing here in TikTok. Yeah. Dan, you know what this... uh you mentioned something and it probably went over the audience head. You said the third eye and the third eye that this is, this is a a language of the occult. And according to the occult, the new agers, they say that the third eye is in the center of the forehead and that the third eye is the most powerful energy center. uh, And it's, and it's opened up through spirit guides or demonic spirits. And so again, it's just, it's just a way when you hear people talking about the third eye, uh, you'll also have the New Ager saying that that it's located in the middle of the forehead. Of course, this is also this is not Catholicism. This is superstition, and that the chakras are the energies in the center of the body. And uh, by choosing a proper meditation and by picking a mantra, you open up this third eye. In other words, you open up this ability to see in, into the world of uh, you know the unknown. And again, that's yeah, yeah. dangerous. We, we see a lot of cases that have been da- that have dabbled with this. Um, you know, we had a case that she shows up at the diocese, and this is an extreme case, an absurd case, but the demon militates to absurdity. So this woman shows up at a diocese um, demanding to see the exorcist. She takes her hat off, and she's got pins sticking out of her head that she's using to channel um, the energies into her chakra or meridians. And they they it, it, and we laugh at those types of stories, right? Uh, well, we, we we giggle at those, but I've also met a lot of suburban, uh, middle, you know, uh, East Coast and, and Midwest suburban women that are also dabbling in these chakras, blending reflexology with with uh, um, this Eastern form of chakras to open up energy forms and healings, whether it be the third eye or healing or peace or all these other things that are seemingly good. But this this syncretic approach is also very dangerous and very, very, very subtle, but also very dangerous. There is there is only one uh, uh, um, energy source, and that's God. That's the blood of Christ in us. It's the indelible mark of baptism in us. This is how we see into the spiritual realm, so to speak. Our, but we, we do this with the eyes of faith and we do it through the ordinary means. We must be extraordinary 
but we fight an ancient enemy, and he is defeated through the ordinary means. And what are those means? The sacraments of the church, uh, faith, prayer, Western prayer. Okay, I'm not talking about centering prayer. And how many how many Catholic churches are are, are having centering prayer and and and, and yoga? Give us know, over in Germany. Quick definition what? of centering prayer and why it's wrong. Centering prayer is a prayer that's borrowed from Eastern forms in Buddhism. It's 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 a type of, of self emptying, right? Um, it's a type it's a type of meditation, but the goal is to self empty, right? So that you could be filled with the other. It, there's the, the the end is not God Himself, right? It's 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 an Eastern form yoga. Uh, it uses and people that practice yoga pr- try to practice this type of prayer. It's an Eastern non-Christian form. And Pope Benedict and the CDF has written against uh, against Reiki and, and other forms and, and touched upon this in a, in, a, in a document 20 years ago as well. The dangers of this is creating an open door. And I tell people before you decide to reject 2,000 years of Christian meditation and Christian prayer going all the way back to the beginning in scriptures with the foundations in, in Judaism and then the great writers and spiritual writers of the church, St. Augustine, St. Ambrose, St. Teresa of Avila, John of the Cross, and the entire Western system of the three great ways, the, the, the purgative, the illuminative, and the transformative, right? And, and if you want to reject meditation and the right, then at least learn what the Western is and not just try to go for the emotional satisfaction and, and that the Eastern and non-Christian forms bring. So it's a type of meditation that can be very subtle, but very subtly diabolic because you're opening yourself up again through body positions and others. Then don't think it's just you know middle-class women in the U.S. There's a whole lot of people doing this. When I was in Germany, they said that the bulk of the Benedictine uh, uh, monasteries in Germany do yoga and, and centering prayer and Eastern forms of prayer in Benedictine monasteries. Um, so, so don't think that this this phenomenon, this poison, has reached into the church. We should go back to tradition, back to the tradition. Read Teresa, read 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 the life of Saint Teresa of Avila. Read the the the, the dark. I mean the um, you know the story of the soul of Therese. Read the interior castle of Teresa. Learn the Western form of prayer. Read read uh, uh, um, how to how to do Benedictine Lexio Divina meditation. This is the Western tradition of prayer, and this we've lost. I mean, it's being displaced in many, many parishes and retreat houses with Eastern forms that are not Christian in their metaphysic, and they're driving you <clears throat> away from God. You know, Dan, I noticed that lukewarm Catholics or faithless Catholics, these are the ones that are easily deceived by sorcerers and witches. These guys are like, you know, it's it's like, uh, you know, shooting fish in a barrel. Uh, and, but witchcraft is very old. This is something that goes back into the Old Testament. In fact, in the Old Testament, there's many passages that talk about witchcraft. And it was a death penalty offense in the Old Testament to be a witch or a sorcerer or a sorceress. Then in the New Testament, when you fast forward, we still have witchcraft. It hasn't gone away. In fact, at the time of Christ uh, and the time of the apostles, there was a famous uh, sorcerer by the name of Simon Magus. Uh, and so this is a problem that hasn't gone away in the New Testament. Obviously, there's no longer this called the, the death penalty for witches or sorcerers. But what it is called, it's called a mortal sin. It's called a sin of the flesh because it's mentioned in many parts of the Bible, like in Revelation 21, verse 8. But as for cowards, the unfaithful, depraved, the murders, the unchaste, sorcerers, there's the word. 
Revelation 22, 15, outside are the dogs and sorcerers. The word sorcerers comes from the word pharmakeia, which, uh, which is where we get the word pharmacy or pharmaceutical. These are people that use potions and elixirs and all kinds of illicit drugs to try to get people into the world of the occult. So this is, Jesus says very clearly in the last book of the Bible, those people will not enter into heaven. Dan? Yeah, it's a violation of the first commandment. All superstition is a violation of the first commandment. It's ascribing to something other than God, something that, that, that should be ascribed to God alone. It's seeking power, energy, it's seeking some favor from uh, some grace or favor apart from God. And again, sometimes it's very subtle, you know, and, and, and every community, there's 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 a, a, an herbal place that you can go. And if you take this herb, you know, it's subtly, it's subtle because, yeah, we can do, we can use, uh, you know, herbs and other things, natural holistic medicine, but that, that can heal us and using the body's natural energy and nature's, you know, things that nature provides, you know, but, but at the same time, um, that's a difference between that and hey, this is a love potion. Um, this this is this is um, this will make this person fall in love with you. Or um, you know, it's it's again superstition is it's just huge and, and it, it it plays upon our desires and longing for God. And again, ultimately, it's it's considered um, violation of the first commandment. You mentioned idolatry or or or, or prostitution. That's the image that the pro- that the prophets used. Uh, against Israel when they were unfaithful and followed okay, false gods. Okay, coming up to hard break. Hard break. We'll be right back. Wednesday war caller. Stick around. St. <clears throat> Paul reminds us uh, he says, watch the company that you keep because he says, bad company corrupts good morals. He says that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Bad company corrupts good morals. You can tell a lot about a person by the company they keep. Unelected President Joe Biden, he's uh, some of the people that he's putting in some of the highest op- in highest places in his, in his administration uh, this is something that no president would have ever ever picked in times past. Uh, Joe Biden's he just picked a gay married monkeypox deputy who's without a doubt a Satanist because there's pictures you can see that uh, we have up on the screen as we're, we're talking about him, uh, Doctor Dimitri Deskalaskis. He wears pentagram gear for the ma- a magazine cover. He runs a demonic-themed fitness center with his <coughs> husband. He's a practicing homosexual. There are several, there's at least three different pictures of him on social media that our engineer is putting up right now on the screen with satanic garb. All you got to do is go to the URL and you can see this. Um, <coughs> here's what a, a short article says about him, and I want to get Dan's take. It says, President Joe Biden's deputy monkeypox coordinator appears to have have an interest in Satanism and demons. This is from LifeSite News. Dr. Dimitri Deskalaskis, who is married to a man, currently serves as the director of the Division of HIV Prevention at the Centers for Disease Control, according to the White House, and is a deputy national coordinator for the monkeypox response. The, de- the disease primarily affects homosexual men. 
Photos posted by Benny Johnson appear to show Daskalaskis wearing leather straps with a pentagram, a hat and a pentagram, and standing above a floor with a pentagram on it, a symbol of Satanism. Daskalaskis and his husband are also involved with a fitness center called Monster Cycle Plus Studio. A 2014 article in the New York Post described how it's different than most health clubs. The New York Post reported that, quote, graffiti, illustrations of ghosts, and hashtag hell yeah, uh, signs hang throughout the club. In the lounge area, the New York Post writes, a black spin bike hangs from the ceiling draped in leather fetish gear. In the yoga studio, a massive 11-foot-tall light-up pentagram by artist Desi Santiago leans against the wall, adding a unique ambiance to the Sunday candlelit yoga classes. <coughs> uh, the, the New York Post also de- describes a juice bar serving up kale concoctions is decorated with dozens of Mexican Day of the Dead skull masks, close quote. One of the owners says she does not worship the devil, but, she, but just tries to draw that energy from this <laughs> endeavor. I'll, have, I'll let Dan comment on that right now. She said, we don't worship the devil. We're not Satan followers, a female co-owner told the, the New York Post. We just, sort of ta- we, we just sort of take that energy and make it more positive. So here's my comment. I want to hear from Dan. So they're admitting they're taking their energy from the devil but that, but that's it. Nothing else. Well, they're either brain dead or pathological liars. I believe that they are the latter. They're lying just like their father, the devil. They're Satanists, but they just don't want to admit it because, again, they still kind of known that the average American may push back. Dan, comment? Yeah. Um, I mean, as you read the article, I don't know if there's any commentary that you could say that would be and add to it. It's 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 one of the most absurd things. You you think about again the 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 Kyle Clement statement that mil, evil militates to absurdity, and we're seeing it now. And why suddenly they're drawing in the Dia de los Muertos, they're drawing in yoga, and they're blending them in with with uh, this the satanic um, theme of of, of a, you know exercise facility, um, and of course the picture of him. Um, uh, he's doing a. He's not, this is not just a photo, a cute photo shoot. He's doing a satanic, and this is how again. That's how they level up, and this is how they get favors, etc. So this is. It's not a surprise that someone like this is, is in is in full force. You know, I read recently that the the Mexican police are now tapping into Santa Santa Muerte to fight back against the uh, the cartels who are using Santa Muerte. Um, for so they're all they're now evil on evil battling uh demon on demon for protection i mean we are reaching an absurd level you know but, but i think it's important that we see what's out there our, our, this is what this our, our our president so-called this is what his 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 appointment is and this is absurd this is imagine again uh, uh, i think you and i talked about this yesterday imagine if if president trump had had uh, appointed a uh, a satanist a, oh, no, no no a, a neo-nazi or a kkk member in charge of, of, of this or that. The, the media would have come unglued, mm. right? But again, again, it, it's, it's absurd. Uh, but this, we, we're seeing, we're seeing this, this whole bevy of just de- of deviance of all sorts being appointed by this president. So it's not surprising. Again, it's not surprising. But, but going back to what you said about energy, 
um, this is the key. This is the key crux. Oftentimes, in the in this so-called spiritual realm, I'm I'm religious. I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual, and I'm seeking energy. This is what the the invocation. You're invoking energies upon chakras, upon meridians in the body. You're you're imposing something. You're invoking something outside of the body into the body, and that's where the danger is. Because anything from outside of the body gets called into the body, is is invoking a foreign power. But if you're using um, natural means to invoke the body's own natural healing. We have energies in our in our body naturally, and if you're using you know pressure points, a massage, uh, um, you know other 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 things that you're doing that naturally uses the body's energy. Electric. Think about e stem, right? Um, electric stimulation. You can buy these machines. They work great. They bring in they 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 use electricity to to. St- and to bring more blood flow, so you're 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 drawing more in. But these things are invoking external powers and drawing them in. And I think you're right. I don't I, I don't think there's any doubt that these people know exactly what's going on. Yeah, Dan. It's here's what Doctor Dimitri Deskalaska says. He was asked, "My favorite video to ride to ride to is Nine Inch Nails, the perfect drug because it's dark and sexy with a driving beat." A goth workout in a cycle dungeon dungeon is total bliss. So that's what this new monkeypox coordinator told the Washington Post uh, a couple of years ago. He says, every day in the gym is Halloween. Now, I can only imagine, Dan, that the Nine Inch Nails, I'm guessing, I was looking it up and I looked at a couple of occult websites. The occultists say that the Nine Inch Nails is, is, a, is a reference to the nails driven into Jesus Christ's wrists and feet during the crucifixion. They were nine-inch nails. So mm-hmm. that's what some occult website said, that this is, when you hear an occult to say nine-inch nails, it's a reference to driving the nails into the wrists and feet of Christ. Also, I, another occult website I saw, it said that the Statue of Liberty has has nine nine-inch nails. And by the way, most people don't realize that the Statue of Liberty was given to us by the, the French Freemasons. And also, another occult website says nine-inch nails are customary are the customary length for coffin nails. So, uh, <clears throat> Dan, it, the, the Biden administration has a history of appointing officials <clears throat> to these important positions who make public their disordered sexual desires. You have Sam Brinton. He's the Deputy Assistant Secretary for Spent Fuel and Waste Disposition under Biden. He's a drag enthusiast who also has a fetish that involves pretending that he's a dog. These people call themselves trans species. That means that you identify as an animal. So the Deputy Assistant Secretary for Spent Fuel and Waste Disposition under Biden, Sam Brinton, thinks he's a dog. Oh, by the way, he's also part of the blasphemous group called the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. And uh, again, Dr. Descalascus, he's a Satanist. Just, Just look at the pictures that Rich is putting up. On, on the show page as we're as we're talking right now. Also another Biden appointment is Rachel Levine. He's an American pediatrician and a four star general in the US Public Health Service Commission Corps. He identifies himself as a woman. He's a man. Rachel Levine has served as a US Assistant Secretary for Health and Human Service since March 26, 2001. And finally, for the first time in US history, all of the top communication roles of the incoming presidential administration are filled by women, two of whom are queer women of color. Karen Jean-Pierre 
has been announced as the principal deputy deputy press secretary in the White House, and Pili Tobar will be the deputy White House communications director. Okay, both of them are queer women of color, uh, and it turns out that uh, Miss Miss Jean Pierre has already stirred controversy over concerns about a conflict of interest because it turns out that her female lover is none other than CNN reporter Suzanne Malview. They literally share a bed together. Dan, it's bizarre, but it seems to me like Biden, who has his own penchant for, uh, you know, for, for being a sexual predator, he's got a history of it. He has a penchant to hire people with sexual disorders. Again, the, 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 the fruit did not fall far fall from the tree yeah yeah i i can only i'll just quote chesterton when gk Chesterton said that he spoke of the modern and morbid habit of constantly sacrificing the normal to the abnormal and and what you just described is is about as abnormal as it gets and so you know what do we do uh going back to the original segment um christ triumphs on the cross the cross is the moment of triumph we must cling to the cross and when, when, when Father John Harden talks about families being martyrs, he's talking about a white martyrdom. We have to, we have to see that the evil is in the world. We must pray uh, for those in, in, in leadership positions. We pray for our nation, right? And, and we, we, but we hunker down and, you know, as, 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 as Joshua said in the end of the book of Joshua, you can choose to serve the gods of the foreign, that, that our fathers served in the, for, you know, in the foreign nations. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And that's a decision that everybody, as Roman Catholics, have to do and live an extraordinarily Catholic life. Meaning that's prayer, right. prayer together, uh, receiving the Eucharist as often as you can, tap into the tradition of the church. Tomorrow, uh, or when, or Friday is starting another uh, Ember Days. We need to start reliving those old traditions. Ember days are times that we do penance and other liturgical seasons, not waiting till Lent. So we don't get so far out of shape. By the time we get to Lent, we can't even, we're so soft and effeminate, we can't even do us, you can't even skip meat on one day. Start doing ember days with the traditional calendar to start mortifying the flesh. Little burst, little burst of mortification goes a long way in the spiritual battle. Amen. That's a wrap. I hear music. Yep. That's I, I a wrap. I hear the Apache in the background. E-O-W, end of watch. God bless you. See you next time. Same Christ time, same Christ channel. Up next, Gary Machuda. Stand, Stand by.